Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Xtreme. My name is Zach. My name is Joey. And this is a podcast where normally we dig deep on your favorite video games, but today... Today! We're veering off on another tangent, because you know how I love me tangents. <laughs> I don't know why I talk like a pirate there for a second, but I want to talk a little bit about something else. We're going to do another interview, you guys. Interview. And we've got an amazing special guest on today. Our good buddy at NSN here, Joseph. I'm going to butcher your last name. I'm so sorry. Joseph Ayani. Ayani. Keep the, keep the, keep the pause in. I know, I know, Zach. I can picture the look on your face. And you're like, Joseph, ah, oh, shit, I didn't rehearse this. I also, oh, God damn I'm just it. recovering from a... From a bit of for my uh, annual cold, so when I laugh, it's gonna turn into a cough. So, oh boy, my stomach was gonna hurt after Bro, this. Just make your laugh that much better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let's try to get the rest of the phlegm out. That'll sound. <laughs> that'll play well in Poughkeepsie. Oh uh, yeah. So, uh, Joseph Yanni. Yes. So, thank you again, Joseph, for being on the podcast. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Yes, the resident Legend of Zelda expert, as so I'm told. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was me. I'm as a gigantic a nerd as I'm sure uh, both of you are. Um, I currently am in the midst of a couple of different avenues, podcasting kind of being the one I put most of my attention to. Uh, for those of you who are regular visitors of NSN, I'm the editor for basically everything that's produced in-house, um, with the exception of like an episode here or there. Um, I also have some of my own projects. Um, some of them podcasting, some of them not podcasting based. So the thing above all else is that I'm a writer. You can see my writing at giantanimecomic.com, shameless plug. But let's, let's, not, <laughs> let's not have to go too far into that. Uh, I am uh, definitely a gamer above many other things. Uh, I love gaming more than I love TV, but I love TV. I love gaming more than I love comics, but I love comics. I love all that, all that good stuff. And as for how I got into gaming, uh, I got into it from a very young age, my, I, I, when I started forming memories, one of my earliest memories is uh, Christmas, I guess, maybe junior kindergarten, maybe senior kindergarten. No, it would have to have been junior kindergarten. If I don't remember junior kindergarten, if I remember senior kindergarten, that's an issue. Um, <laughs> Glad we narrowed it down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're doing great. <laughs> I might have, it might have even have been a little bit before JK. Anyways, my, my mother came out with a Sega Genesis, and I didn't really know what this was, but... Uh, she comes out, uh, unpacks it, plugs it in, and Sonic the Hedgehog is the uh, you know that's the pack in game. So that was the first game, definitely first video game. I mean, I'm not sure if I really ever played any game games before that. Like, I can't think of any like if I had ever like happened upon a chessboard or something like that. So, uh, video <laughs> games made the imprint where I think other games might have made a different imprint of other people. Like, if other people were first had they had gotten their hands or their feet on a soccer ball and then soccer um and sports became the imprint gaming became the imprint for me so mm. i played the sega genesis for quite a while um growing up we weren't starving but we weren't like the richest family on the block so while other people had already moved on to other consoles like the nintendo 64 and the playstation i was still rocking the sega gen and um, there was this envy that I had probably around like grade four where I would ha- overhear other people talking about the Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, and somebody shows up with like one of the gaming magazines for it and they're th- flipping through and they're all the pages and it's really cool. And I had only been able to rent a Nintendo 64 a couple of times to play around Super Mario 64 and that's when I knew I was hooked on Nintendo. Like Super Mario 64 was the game that made me convert <coughs> sorry um Please? not that i am against playing sonic games because since then there have been quite a few sonic games that i really enjoy like sonic rush on the ds and sonic generations on uh, your console on your poison of choice but um, agreed i but i i, I there was this envy that set in because other people had all the stuff and i didn't so by the time i caught up and had nintendo 64 there were already rumblings of the next generation of the playstation 2 and the gamecube so I probably had a Nintendo 64 um, in what I guess would be like a seven-year lifespan. I guess I would have had it for the last two years. And um, so when we get to uh, Zelda, I, my first memory of Zelda 
wasn't even like sitting in front of the TV or anything. My brother was the first to play it, and he would be in the living room on one side of the basement, and I would be in my room on the other side of the basement, and I hear that dart menu thing, the bling, and that was the first thing that made me go, wow, that's, and that's, that sounds, that's pleasant. So <laughs> but here's, here's the thing about Ocarina of Time is I have such a weird relationship with it because of when we borrow somebody else's cartridge and at that time, um, the information was saved on the cartridge. So I, my, my brother starts one file on, uh, on file two. I start a file in file three. Uh, I barely got to the Deku tree where I gave up and just went to the main file where the guy had everything. So I'm running around on like a fully decked out link and I'm exploring everything. And I actually ended up um, fighting Ganondorf before I had ever like gotten to Dodongo's cavern. So <laughs> what I noticed about that is that it was something, it took me a, a lot longer in my life before I understood why I did that. And I think for me, um, I appreciate games when they give you a toy to play with. And mm -hmm. then they give you an environment to play around with that toy. So the thing that always sticks out for me whenever I really get into a game is if I'm enjoying whatever it is I'm in control of, and then the environment happens to um, facilitate that enjoyment. So that's one of the reasons why I really took to Overwatch, because it has all these great characters that have all these different functions, like a jetpack or being able to turn into a gun and just like they turn into like a machine gun and just like... So... When I, when I, even to this day, um, I notice the more I enjoy playing the character, the more I enjoy playing the game. Nice. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. actually, because most of the time when I hear people talk about, like, <clears throat> specifically The Legend of Zelda, it's interesting because the protagonist, Link, is mainly referred to as, like, a mirror unto yourself. Right. He doesn't really I have think. much of a personality mm -hmm. aside from being, like, a way for the the player to be in the game i never really understood that concept as a kid um so for me i was just trying to understand link's character as it was presented and i identified with his personality even if none of it really came through i identified with his sort of you know just get out there and do it attitude with his the fact that he's always listening to people they're always uh, talking to him they're always telling him what they think and he doesn't uh, say anything in return and so in my mind those are what i consider to be his qualities and i and that kind of imprinted it on me so and that's i guess that's one of the reasons why today i'm such a advocate for podcasting and and just the freedom of speech platform in general is because i'm so inclined to hear other people's stories and to see what good i can do for them um so there's one other thing i forgot to mention in my diatribe and i want to get out of the way before we go too far into it but eventually i did get my own copy of ocarina of time but i was so uh, obsessed with just having a completed file that i demanded to get a used copy of it and so we finally get a used copy of it and i'm like all right here we go i'm gonna just go right into death mountain or whatever it was and <laughs> the 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 first file was k-e-x-o-d-f-4-m that was the name of it like i just like you know it just goes like you know, what I mean? uh, and then the other two files were just like crap, right? So there was nothing there. I'm like, oh shit, there's there's no progress on any of these files. I really am gonna have to start from scratch. Oh no! And I <laughs> oh never, no, the shame. Right, and I ne I never deleted that first file, even though there was basically no progress on it. So I spent my 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 Zelda experience, my file that I did every single thing on, every last Galchula, every heart, full shielded, every possible thing that you can name in that game was k was kex odf4m so i <laughs> so i would go to visit the goron city after i defeat Volvagia, and they're like thank you for saving us kex odf4m you're a true hero your name I'll, i'm gonna name my kid after it because you're such a hero <laughs> and so just to wrap that up um eventually i got the gamecube and i decided to loan my nintendo 64 to my cousins so that they would have something to do because if we were in dire straits they were in more dire straits because their uh, their parents had separated. So I thought, oh, you know what? They they they're okay with gaming. They're not as big of a fan as I am, but you know, at least here's something for them to play. And they lost everything. They lost my Nintendo 64. They lost all my games. I assume I assume that they sold it 
just to make uh, money and they, you know, just make a couple of bucks here or there. And they just never told me or they can oh. never they can never look me in the eye and say they sold something that I cherish that much. So somewhere out there, there may still be that cartridge and there may still be that file. So if anybody <laughs> out there has Kex ODF4M, that's my cartridge and I want it back. <laughs> is this like one other of your motivations for podcasting is to find that cartridge? <laughs> um, well, it's, um, not to uh, get too ahead of myself, but that is going to be one of the motivations to do my own Zelda podcast <laughs> to be reunited. <laughs> Sorry. But to even if they deleted it for whatever reason, even though it's like a fully finished file, I don't know why they would. <clears throat> but even if they did delete it, if somebody was like, yeah, I remember that. That was a stupid name, and you committed fully to it. Like, I, I think somebody out there might be like, that, I know where that cartridge is. I gave that to this guy, <laughs> and that guy went to this guy. Like, it's out there somewhere. These cartridges are worth a lot of money. So it's not like somebody would just throw it away. I, I mean, I guess if it got into the wrong hands, it's possible that it did, but I think that's actually the unlikely scenario. I think it's very likely that somebody has it right now, and hopefully the file is still there. And if not, they will at least remember deleting the most comprehensive finished uh, file with the dumbest name possible. <laughs> so you heard it here first, folks. We're doing a shout out to whoever <laughs> did this in the first place. We got to find you. I need to know who you are now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and with a, as a tribute to that uh, absurd, stupid name that I could have fixed in five minutes, um, I named my Dungeons and Dragons character Zek, which is Z-E-K, which is the first three letters K-E-X backwards. So I'm still trying to like <laughs> carry on that that legacy because I also think Zek is kind of a cool name for a for a, for a human paladin. So that is pretty nice. cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, that's that's pretty funny, man. That's a great story. <laughs> that is a great Thank story. You, um, and another really great reason why you got into Legend of Zelda series in general, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but I guess that kind of leads perfectly into what the next thing I wanted to talk about with you is generally like talking about Legend of Zelda series, um, like on a fundamental level, like mm -hmm. why, why it is, why at least why you think it's so good, why we can have a discussion, obviously, between the three of us, but I'd like to hear more what you have to think. Uh, like why on a fundamental level it is as good as it is and right. what makes it so good well i have a very unique perspective because uh as a writer and as a creative i have a much larger appreciation for story than i would say um the average person um and i do tend to get pigeonholed by some of my uh, gamer friends as like the guy that's like the story guy it's like oh you only play games with a story i'm like no 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 no, no, no. <laughs> um i don't really play I, I not that much anymore to be honest like what i really appreciate are games that use the element of story as a part of the game design and make sure that the story is in service to the gameplay in a way that justifies what it is the player is doing and i'm going to veer off slightly because um i can use the original bioshock as a much clearer example um for, go ahead so um whether or not you guys are familiar with bioshock um, you go into this uh, underwater city where the guy who runs the city kind of lets people do whatever they want. And one of the things that they did was starting to experiment with this uh, highly powerful substance that they found at the bottom of the ocean. And that starts giving them superpowers, which, of course, tie into you getting the superpowers. But because there was no uh, government overseeing them, people went insane. They went and got mad with power. And so by the time you get there, people are just like, they're nuts. So not only was the story a means to justify what you're capable of doing as a player, it actually then was a commentary on the logical extreme of what would happen if people were given these abilities. So the mm -hmm. Bioshock series is in my, like the, the original Bioshock, I think consider top 20, like really greatest games that anybody should, should consider playing uh, because the story and the gameplay are perfectly cohesive and Zelda does that but on a much more difficult scale because it's not just... I mean, Bioshock has three games to it, not counting the previous Shock games where the Zelda series has been enduring for the last 28 years now going on. And yeah, about. The, the, the fundamental about Zelda is that it's about reincarnation. It's about these three souls who are bound to each other and who are constantly 
sort of in competition with each other to some extent. Obviously, Link and Zelda, are, they see eye to eye, and so they're really on each other's side for the most part. But they still kind of have their own agendas a little bit. Zelda does have a tendency to kind of, like, get Link to do things, which is also the game has a tendency to get the player to do things. So Zelda, Ganondorf, and Link, the three bound souls, are always justifying each other's existence in both the context of the story but also in the fact that a player needs a reason to play the game otherwise there'd be no game to play so the, the, the trouble is well let's say there's i don't know the exact number but let's just like let's just say there's like 20 official entries in the zelda canon i mean if that was the same link over and over again by like the 10th one he'd be like 60 years old and He'd throw his back out, like he puts on the wrong gloves that day, and he tries to lift a rock, and then he's out. It's game can over, I, right? Can I be honest? Yeah. I would, I would love to see a game with <laughs> older Link. That sounds like it too. would be hilarious. Not like Grandpa Link. I'm talking about like maybe like mid to mid fifties Link. Yeah. Like, like, like where salt he's and like pepper hair Link. Yeah, yeah, like George Clooney Link or something. <laughs> like where he's like got a lot of experience under his belt. And um, he's kind of been around the block a couple times. Mm -hmm. And he's not like this fresh, fresh kid who's like 18 or something, like going off to save the world for the first time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, sorry. I, I can't mean say to interrupt I you. object to that idea. But I mean, the whole point is that's like, OK, well, we can't just have one link over and over again who's going to grow and eventually pass. So we need to justify some other way for there to constantly be a link who is in his, you know, physical prime so um they do the first two zelda games on the nes and it's the same link and then they go to a link to the past in the super nintendo and it's a kid now and that throws open all of these theories about well, what's going on is this a different link is it the sun is it a reincarnation and the game series slowly gives out information because nintendo i guess is trying to figure it out kind of alongside everybody else as well and when it gives these pieces of information, it sort of encapsulates the series as a whole and justifies what the series does on that fundamental level as well as what it does from game to game. And one of the ways to understand that is that the grand puzzle of Zelda is actually how everything, like when everything happened. So people are always theorizing about the different timelines, and then Nintendo has to come up with Hyrule Historia, try to sort it out. But even that is dated now because new Zeldas have come out since that aren't listed there. So, because the Zelda series is about puzzle solving in a lot of uh, aspects, it's quite amusing that there is this grand puzzle that ties the whole series together of trying to put the Zeldas together. Mm -hmm. No, that's true. And I mean, like you said, they were also kind of trying to put it together themselves. Uh, <clears throat> I think at some point they were just kind of fucking around. And during a few interviews, they were like, I don't know, <laughs> like, whatever. Who cares what the story is? And everybody... <laughs> went up in arms and they were like what do you mean who cares what we care about the story and they're like oh, okay hold on let me, <laughs> let me let me backtrack that and create this entire book that talks about you know the chronology of all the games we've made so far yeah and then they have to go into the backyard where miyamoto is given free roam and, yeah, he, right? and he's, just, he's just kept behind this padlock because they they can't trust him out on his own anymore <laughs> miyamoto comes out and he's, and, just, and he's got miyamoto where did you get those things and then he's got the idea for pikmin <laughs> I was out gardening one day, and then it hit me that we should make a game called Pikmin, where there's little men inside the plant. And Mr. Miyamoto, how many drugs did you smoke today? <laughs> but no, actually, that's uh, actually a nice segue into like this little uh, introductory quote that I have from Chigeru Miyamoto. I wanted to kind of just bring this up. I don't know when else to, but uh, Go for about it. the conception of Legend of Zelda. Uh, was principally inspired by Shigeru Miyamoto's explore explorations as a young boy uh, in the hillsides, forests, and caves surrounding his childhood in his home of um, Sanobe, Japan, uh, where he ventured into forests, secluded lakes, caves, and rural areas. Uh, one of his most memorable experiences, apparently, was the discovery of a cave entrance in the middle of the woods. Uh, after some hesitation, he apprehensively entered this cave, explored its depths with the aid of a lantern, uh, Miyamoto has referred to the creation of these games as an attempt to bring to life a miniature garden for players to play within each of the series. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Yeah, so I thought like that was a very interesting and poignant thing to bring up. That's uh, the, 
Uh, that's actually the most uh, like the most comprehensive version of that quote because I do recall um, at some point reading about it was inspired by his uh, his adventures, but I didn't realize that he had even gone as far as to like explore his first dungeon. So that's really that's really cool. Yeah, right. I mean, if you think about it in terms of the first game that was put out, it really is just about that kind of concept where you're walking around with no real goal in sight, no clear goal in sight. And then you're just going into caves. That's pretty much what this yep. is described here. Mm-hmm. Which is very interesting. Um, and sorry, to get back to your point, yeah, you're right about the story of the hero that they're pretty much kind of portraying over these series of games. Um, but there are some offshoots to that storytelling, right? Because there's a lot of... Uh, not I wouldn't say side games, because there's not really side games anymore. Uh, but back before there was a timeline where everything kind of fits snugly into it there was like offshoot games that people consider not quite like part of the main thing like uh like the oracle games the like oracle of ages oracle of seasons kind of thing and the four swords adventures minish caps and all that um oh sorry hmm? to cut you off but i thought minish cap was part of the timeline i think you're right um I, i was more thinking of the four swords adventures right um, but yeah, so what do you think about like, I mean, they weren't, they were still technically the story of the hero, right? But it wasn't quite the like, big, bad Ganon team with Zelda, you are courage embodied kind right. of thing. Yeah, um, uh, I understand that aspect. Now, I, as big of a Zelda fan as I am, and I'm quite big, I haven't even played some of those because I still have to... Uh, distance myself as a consumer and go okay well what's important to me um in these or like what's uh, what's a priority for me so i haven't played minish cap although that's on my list uh i would have played four swords if i knew four people who had game boys <laughs> and the game boy adapter and of all of all the of all the games that nintendo could have easily ported you know to their wii u so that people can bring their four wii u tablets over that would have been the game to do it. So N- Nintendo likes to likes they like to experiment. They like to take chances, and then they use the familiarity of Zelda to give themselves some direction. They do it with Mario. They've tried it with Metroid Pinball. So I mean, I'm fine with all of that. I don't I wouldn't want to ever begrudge somebody from getting it. Uh, I don't hold anybody like accountable or. Like question their fandom if they're not into that kind of thing. Um, I think as for like where it where it stands in the whole story of the hero, I think that's one of the things I find really interesting about gaming is that sorry is that there are some no game properties that um, understand that it's a game world. Um, one great example of that is Metal Gear. I mean, there's a part where the colonel calls Snake and says, "Snake, plug your controller into port B because Psychomantis is trying to read your mind." <laughs> and then there's a part where Psycho Mantis like reads the memory card, and Snake looks at the at the player and nods his head. So I mean, there are some games that are like openly aware that they're game worlds and they embrace it. There's other ones that are pretending to be movies, and I dislike that. And then there's something like Zelda, where everyone kind of knows, but no one really talks about it all that much. So mm-hmm. they just, I mean, it's, it's it's their opportunity to have fun with it as well. Right. Uh... But I mean, off of that, I think another beautiful thing to really talk about with this game series in particular is it's obviously fantastic from a storytelling perspective, but um, here on Xtreme, we also like to talk a little bit about the game design elements. Okay, that's a good point. Specifically with The Legend of Zelda, what's very interesting about it is they've gone to so many different ways of kind of letting you interact with that story. So... In particular, it really branches off after 1998 when uh, Ocarina of Time actually comes into play, uh, kind of branching off into a third dimension. Right. But um, so the 3D games kind of come off and be their own thing with a lot more open world exploration, kind of grandiose, uh, like, look at all this beauty and like, go check this shit out. Um, but then they still had their, their 2D games, which were kind of faithful to a point with... Um, or two and a half D games with the original concept. But those games kind of also branched off a little bit in terms of just their game design themselves. Um, like post 2004, I think, really, it kind of kicked into high gear um, with 
I think the first one that really broke the mold, which technically is still a Legend of Zelda game, was Link's crossbow training. Right. Which had no right being a Zelda game, but it is considered one. Um, and for those of you not in the know, it is literally a way for Nintendo to sell this peripheral called the... I'm trying to read it up here, but I, I think it was called, like, the Wii Zapper, um, which was just a piece of plastic that you shoved a Wii controller and a nunchuck into, and it turned it into a fake gun. Yep. Cool. <laughs> which was, yeah, which was weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, more so over that with, like, an actual story-based game, uh, a lot of their handheld games kind of really broke the mold, like Phantom Hourglass, and Spirit Tracks really tried to use more of the touchscreen uh, to use like more of an immersive kind of game design where you're literally like pointing like Link, you should go here. Mm -hmm. um, it reminded so me they... of, uh, of playing Diablo because Diablo was a big game for me as well when I was younger, mm -hmm. and so I got that sense from playing from from playing that one. Yeah, it was more like exactly Diablo is a great way to describe it. It was very Diablo esque where you were taking the pointer. Uh, and kind of saying, like, Link, you need to throw your uh, your boomerang over here to mock, mock, mock out these switches. Um, which, again, it was an interesting choice of game design, but it's kind of cool that they, with the mainline games on, like, home consoles, they kept it kind of consistent in terms of, like, well, after the 3D shift, that is. Right. In terms of, like, this is how this game is played, but on, like, more of a con... A, uh, portable side and i'm also including technically four swords adventure because i know it's on the gamecube but you played that shit with game boys so you played it in know. the intended way with the game boys i mean you could have used a single controller and control all four at once like a phalanx yeah. which i was not interested in doing exactly um, they clearly intended that you play that with game boys yeah i think so one I way to look at it is the same way that people determine how big or how little a fan they are of certain like a musical artists because if you have an artist who pretty much just like does the same thing every song and people dig that i mean that's fine but there's really not much room for if that artist were to experiment i think they would lose their fans a lot quicker whereas nintendo if, if the zelda series were to be compiled on an album there would be the crowd pleasers there would mm -hmm. be the classic stuff that uh is like oh it's they're they're back to their roots and then there'd be the experimental <laughs> stuff on side b that is interesting and is fine to leave on while the cd is playing but um yeah i'm not no, even I get what you mean yeah i'm not i'm not <laughs> even die hard enough to want to play all of them although i i'm sure i will eventually get to all of them when i have my own place and i can do them justice nice yeah but uh, yeah, I, it's great that you said, uh, sorry, just because uh, we've been uh, yeah, go ahead. talking about the, the, the gameplay aspect of it. Um, one thing that I really appreciate about uh, the new one, uh, Breath of the Wild, is that return mm. to the roots. Because they wanted to just like, okay, go nuts, here's, just go, just go. Like, they, they give him a, a sail glove and they just let him uh, run around and just discover things kind of at his own pace. But if you want to be directed, there are quests for you to follow. And... One thing I really appreciate about Breath of the Wild is that um, when Nintendo is designing, as much as they think about the global Zelda audience, they are thinking about their own people first in, in Japan. And mm -hmm. it's a densely metropolitan area. And so there's a lot of people, especially now with the Switch, who um, don't have that same luxury of space that we do here. You know, we get taxed mm -hmm. out of our ass for it, but we get... We get parks, we get, I can stretch my arms out and, you know, have a room large <laughs> enough to, you know what I mean? So when they get Breath of the Wild, it really is that breath of the wild where for however long they get to play this on their commute or at, at home between their studying and their other responsibilities, they get the difference between this confined space and then this huge open world where they can just run and they can do as they please. Mm -hmm. No, that's completely true. And I mean... Mm -hmm. I never actually thought of it in terms of the uh, like the populace in general where the uh, developer lived. Uh, that's an interesting idea, right? I think um, to 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 have the patience with Nintendo that it takes to be have patience with them, you have to understand where they come from and who they designed for primarily. 
And I mean, they're smart enough to know that they have a pretty big audience here in North America too. So they're not throwing us under the bus, but I think they, they don't particularly care to make decisions that appeal to us first. No, that's completely true. I actually read uh, in an interview, I know this is a little off topic, but uh, they were talking about that uh, new Splatoon game that they created, Splatoon 2, and uh, they had interviewed one of the developers over there, and we're talking about kind of there's a gameplay mode over there. I know this is very off topic, but it'll take two seconds. That's fine. Um, they were talking about this game mode that's on there called Salmon Run, which is not available all the time. It's only available at certain times in the day. And they're asking, why is that? why is that the case? And they were basically saying, like, okay, look, we don't design for you. We design in what best way we think it should be played. Like, mm-hmm. they, they just try to describe it in a way that you go into a Japanese, uh, like, a cafe, and you go up to them and say, hi, can I have a coffee? Uh, and they say, okay, here's your coffee. And you're like, okay, well, could I get some sugar? And they're like, sorry, we don't have sugar. And then you... Yeah ask them like 20 minutes later or somebody goes next to you and says can i have a tea and they say you know here's your tea and they say can i have sugar with my tea and then they give them sugar because <laughs> it's like that's how tea is supposed to be enjoyed and they they think that's the way it should be and coffee should not be enjoyed. it's just that kind yeah. of like we know this way to be better just trust us on this right okay. well since uh I'll, i'm gonna um play my one off topic card as well, which is because um, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Smash Brothers series, and the issue with Smash Brothers is that there is a active tournament scene, and then there is the online for glory that Smash Four has. And the developer, uh, I balanced the game more around it being played on for glory as opposed to it being played in the tournaments, and so the tournament community is kind of at odds with the game that they play because they want it to be a certain way. And I, I mean, I understand why um, they change things. And I'll just tell you the, the most important change is that when you're playing online in Four Glory, you have two stocks. And if it, the time runs out and a winner hasn't been declared, it goes into sudden death and then bombs rain from the sky. And whoever gets blown up first is, is a loser. Uh, they don't do sudden death in the tournaments. What they do in the tournaments is that if it's down to a single life each, the winner is whomever has taken less damage. And that shifts the, the, the fight in a very f- important way. And it's part of it's like, okay, okay we, we're running a tournament here. They're going to kick us out at eight, so we don't have all day. So I understand that. But um, what I also appreciate about um, Nintendo is that, like with the, with the fact that they make toys, is that they do allow a lot of leniency in the game, in the way the games are played. Um, they they're they're great with for speed running. They're great for uh, for players to kind of like come up with their own uh, mode of play, um, especially Smash Brothers. It's like use items if you want, use time if you want, do whatever you want. You know, we try to make this make you happy, but please understand we cannot balance the game for what you guys want because you guys are far too ravenous. We have children and responsibilities. <laughs> <laughs> There's always going to be those people who take it a bit too far and just ask and request things that cannot be feasible. Mm-hmm. But with that, I think um, I think we're at a good point in our in our discussion here, where we should move on to the last major thing that we wanted to spend, or we want to at least give the most time to talk about. Um, Let's do it. I don't really know how to lead into this aside from saying I guess it's debate time. Yeah. <laughs> debate time. <laughs> Nice. You know what? Let's go with that. <laughs> Joey, just add some <laughs> reverb to that, and then we're fucking set. That's exactly what I planned on doing. All right. So we've had a we've had a special request from Joseph. Um, he wanted to discuss. Uh, take some time to discuss why uh, Ocarina of Time is objectively the best Zelda game to date. And after reading it, I just I thought you know maybe it'd be a good idea if we could have you know point counterpoint kind of thing where. He talks about why Ocarina of Time is objectively the best and why I tell him he's wrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and why, you know, I think uh, I have a different opinion. Um, I'm going to save that for after he goes first. Okay. But um, I think we can have a nice friendly chat. And, uh, well, I mean, we're Canadian, so this debate isn't going to get heated. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going we're gonna to make this 
as Canadianly heated as possible. You could <laughs> probably heat some bacon on this one. Um, so, Joseph, if you want to go first, please uh, go ahead. I, I think I've introed this enough. Please tell us why you think uh, Ocarina of Time is objectively the best. Thank you. So in order for people to understand where I'm coming from, uh, in order to make this statement, um, and this isn't, this isn't quite the point that I want to make, but I just want to characterize why I'm obsessed over this, because when people ask me what's my favorite Zelda game, I've played the other game since, and I always go back to Ocarina of Time, and people are like, oh, yeah, that nostalgia. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not nostalgia. <laughs> it's not nostalgia. I am comparing the experience that I had with Ocarina of Time to the experience that I had with the other Zelda games, and I formed a criteria, and the criteria is this. If there were only one game in a library, and this is actually very close to the experience that I really had. Uh, if I only had one game in the library, and that game had to satisfy the needs of me as a player, which game would do it better? Um, if I were to make this about all games, uh, that would be a whole other discussion that I'm nowhere near prepared for, so I'm just narrowing down to Zelda. Ocarina of Time is the most complete game experience out of all the Zeldas. Uh, no game can take the place of Ocarina because no game has been able to offer as much to the player. Now, there have been other Zeldas both prior to and since that do things better than Ocarina of Time does, especially in the audio-visual component, but also in uh, the, um, uh, the, the player's ability to control the uh, uh, Link, but there are still enough things that would certainly mean that if all the other Zelda games were to disappear, Ocarina of Time is the one that deserves to stay. So uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through my points. Um, I'm sure you guys will be chomping at the bits to jump in, um, but uh, we, I requested that I just say my piece, and then I will uh, give you guys the same, uh, the same luxury. So number one, uh, Ocarina of Time has the largest tempo count. Um, Tree, Dodonjo's Cavern, Jabu Jabu's Belly, the Fire, Water, Shadow Spirit, and Forest Temple, and then the Sub Dungeons, Training Grounds, Under the Well, and Ice Cavern, and Ganon's Castle. That's 12. Each of the five adult temples convey their element to the player in a way that both impacts the experience and the dungeon's design. And this is not something I've seen the other Zilla games do effective. So to understand this, you go to the Forest Temple, and both by design and by context, the forest temple functions like a forest because it makes the player get lost. The fire temple is meant to be a rescue mission, and through the story and through the fact that everything's on fire, it creates a sense of urgency. The water temple is supposed to be this contemplative, slow-paced, this-could-take-a-while kind of dungeon, um, and it has that calming element to it that... Um, you would expect from water. Uh, the Shadow Temple was a gauntlet. It's meant to test you while also experiencing fright. And I remember I'm, I'm a kid, and I was terrified of the Shadow Temple. Um, I don't know if I'd be afraid of it now, because I'm 27 years old. But, you know, um, as, a, as a kid, I was like, I'm afraid to go to this temple. And uh, I've... I, the only other games that made me afraid to play were horror games like like Doom. And then you get to the Spirit Temple, and it's an endurance temple. It's the longest temple, and it's meant to test everything you know, uh, not just as an adult, but across both ages. Um, and in, in addition to advancing the plot, all three child dungeons and five main adult dungeons uh, connect to the people of Hyrule in a meaningful way. In some cases, completing the dungeon restores a game-impacting function to Hyrule, like beating the water temple restores the lake in Lake Hali sorry, restores the water in Lake Hylia or returns the Gorons to their city. Uh, number two, Ocarina of Time has a fully functioning musical instrument that the player can not only play the songs necessary to the game, but then could also just play at their leisure. So right there, you have something that the player can spend however much time that they want trying to learn other songs and even recording them and throwing them on YouTube. So we have an element of this game from Ocarina of Time, and I'll say Majora's Mask as well because you have the instruments there too, that is actually something that can be used in our day and age in a way that it couldn't have been used before. And number three, it has the best use of lateral puzzle solving. Uh, this is going to be uh, a bit uh, of, a, of a heady one, but there are different ways that Link gets to the dungeons in the different games. Sometimes you have to endure a gauntlet, which Skyward Sword was all about, just like, you know, attack this, jump over this, collect this. Um, Ocarina of Time pits plot-based problems in front of the player, 
forcing them to exercise lateral thinking as well. To get to the spirit temple, it involves, among other steps, uh, rescuing captives from a fortress. Uh, getting to the forest temple involves, among other steps, a foot race with a ghost. Getting to Jabu Jabu's belly involves, among other steps, figuring out that you have to feed him, which is a huge example of lateral thinking. It's not like, Link, use the dowsing and go find a fish. You have to actually <laughs> think as a player, which is something that is... Uh, rooted in adventure i mean it's not like say uh monkey island which is a pure adventure but the fact that ocarina of time took such a chance in using logic big puzzle logic based puzzles is a huge huge point for it the other games have attempted this but a lot of them have have not been as inspired um some of them have just required like dowsing or like twilight princess where you just turn into a wolf and go find a thing uh, number four the boss battles number five uh Without counting story-based challenges, there are 10 freely accessible mini-games. You have the mass competition, treasure chest, guessing game, horse riding, horseback archery, bomb shoot bowling, two shooting galleries, grave digging, waterfall diving, fishing, uh, the big one, and then cuckoo catching. Uh, number six are some of the standout side quests, like trading in the masks, the big Goron sword quest, getting Epona, the golden scotulas, magic beans, all to say that there are just plenty of things for the player to do at their own pace that... Um, levels of the character in a way that isn't obvious like in an rpg where you just fill a meter and you get stronger it's an rpg in a way that by actually experiencing the world and uh, navigating it uh one grows stronger through uh the power-ups uh and number seven it has a great collection of primary secondary and luxury character uh, upgrades you have the ice arrows which are basically useless but you can get them anyways uh, and, and lastly, the only glaring issues uh, are issues of its time. The visuals and sound quality don't hold up as well as they could. And then there's that constant need to direct a player's attention with the camera and with Navi, which was an annoyance but a necessity because, again, kids are playing this and it might be the first game they've ever played. Um, and finally, Ocarina of Time does uh, adventure the same as, as well as Super Mario 64 did 3D platforming. It, is this world that the player can just escape their own reality and roam around and do so many different things. Some of them very challenging. Some of them can be as simple as riding around Hyrule Field on Epona. Now, I know Breath of the Wild does the exploration um, overall better because it's a much bigger world. Uh, Breath of the Wild is not fully realized the way Ocarina Time is. And a very basic example of that is that there's, this, there's these two people in Breath of the Wild who are looking for these... Um, uh, mushrooms. I forget the exact one. Uh, we'll just call them the heavy mushrooms. And so I'm like, oh, they want these particular mushrooms. Uh, I think they're like black like coffee, something like that. Anyways, so I run around. I pick up all the mushrooms they're looking for. I hold them in my arms. I walk up to them, and they're like, you know, we can really go for these hearty truffles. I got it, hearty truffles. And I'm holding <laughs> the hearty truffles in my arms. And they're like, you know, I really would love to find some hearty truffles. So I drop them on the ground. I'm spinning sword attack just because I'm pissed off. And they're like. <gasps> And I'm like, they're on the ground! Um, <laughs> with the exception of maybe Majora's Mask, uh, no game is as fully realized as Ocarina of Time. And the developers have always been challenged with trying to make the game um, on schedule. And the fact that they had to scrap an initial version of it and still be able to put out a game that to this day is still hailed as one of the best is uh, an achievement that was guided by God. I just don't see any achievement like this happening again. And I'm done. Wow. Good job. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> so that's, that's very impressive. So, Joey, I forgot I to... I definitely wasn't reading off a Word document. <laughs> <laughs> it did not come off like that at all. <laughs> I just thought you were a great speaker. Thank. Well, yeah. there's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Rehearsal's important, <laughs> but no, I, I had to read it. Very impressed. No, um, that was very a lot of salient and amazing points there, and I agree with a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess I want it to be the, the counterpoint, so I didn't write up an entire document, but... <laughs> I think I can provide a bit of a counterpoint. Um, I just want to say real quick before I let you get going, I was like yeah, go trying ahead. to anticipate what game I think you would have gone for in an objective sense, and I mm -hmm. was afraid you were going to say Majora's Mask, 
because I was thinking about it, and like Majora's Mask is a contender. Not only does it have one instrument, but it's got them all. Like people can make a whole musical album with the different instruments. So like Majora's Mask would have been the game that I was afraid to hear. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I mean, it, Majora's Mask honestly does a lot of very interesting things. Uh, if I'm talking from a gameplay perspective, specifically around that whole three day cycle, which really puts a lot of uh, pressure that's not usually there in this kind of adventure. Uh, like RPG kind of setting, at least not in a tangible way. Um, but actually, no, the game that I wanted to really touch on was uh, A Link Between Worlds. So I know this isn't a surprise to you two because I told you before yeah. we were recording, but <laughs> to everyone else, I'm sure they're sitting there, <gasps> gasp! I know, don't worry, Al, I have well, a reason. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, give you the same reaction I had when you first said it, which is, really? Okay. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate you giving me the giving that back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I guess my real, my real, um, my real argument for why this game really stands out in my mind in terms of the Legend of Zelda canon. Honestly, I also would have picked Breath of the Wild just for a lot of different reasons. But I don't have. I wanted to just kind of focus on one, and this one I'm more prepared to talk about. Uh, so the main reason why I think this game stands out for me as the number one is because of its non-linearity. So from a gameplay perspective, that's what I personally associate the Legend of Zelda series with. I grew up playing the original Legend of Zelda on the NES and figuring out all those random crazy puzzles in just my, in my own time and figuring it out in a way that kind of suited me as a gamer and saying like, oh, you know what? I, I want to go see what's over here or I want to map this out. And when I was a kid, I, I think there's still drawings of this in my house in my parents' place where I actually wrote out and drew out a map of Hyrule Field because it's like I wanted to figure out where the fuck I was going. Right. But it didn't kind of tell me that. I had to figure that out on my own. So it was really kind of a, a moment for me a solidifying moment in my understanding of this series as a whole. Um, and that was kind of bolstered even further by uh, Link to the Past, which is another one that's definitely up there for me uh, in terms of non-linearity, and you can just kind of go wherever you want. Um, and then for me, again, I, I, like, I like Ocarina of Time a lot. Don't get me wrong. Um, I just don't think, for me, it personally branches off too much from what the original gameplay was of Legend of Zelda. For me to say that it's by far the best um it's definitely it was a game changer in terms of you know that shift from 2d to 3d not a lot of games kind of made that shift in an eloquent way a lot of times they they failed because they didn't have a good idea of how to do that like um i don't know if you've played castlevania on the soup on the n64 but it's a pile of garbage like <laughs> they did not know how to transfer that to the n64 and that's a reason why it kind of fell off the map for so long. Um, so I always want to give props to games that were able to bridge that transition from 2D to 3D. But in terms of just this game, this game series in particular, um, uh, A Link Between Worlds definitely really took it up a notch for me. Um, just because of that non-linearity where not only can you go in any order to complete any dungeon that you feel like it at the time, but the gameplay allows and honestly encourages that through the item rental system that's set up pretty early in the game. Uh, there's an NPC named Ravio who takes over your house kind of just because and sets up shop in there and you can actually just buy or rent every item in the game. You don't have to go unlock it. You don't have to go find it. You just You can just take it. I mean, it's obviously there's a fee associated with it. Uh, you have to pay rupees, and if you die and you've rented the item, it goes away. But again, the option is there for you to buy the item and permanently have it. But it allows you just to say, like, you know what I feel like doing? I feel like going to the water temple right now because I'm a masochist and I hate myself. But I mean, the that choice of saying, you know what, I want to check out the sand dungeon today. Um, and not having someone say, you know what, maybe maybe you should check out this this forest area first, or maybe you should check out this, maybe you should go check out this what this guy has to say, and me just being like, you know what, I I, I just I feel like doing this right now, 
because that was for me what Legend of Zelda really meant in terms of you know from a gameplay perspective. And honestly, the the story was very very well done too. I mean, I, I like these kind of like dark world, light world kind of con- contrasts, and I really built off of the Link to the Past one where they just had the dark world to be like an evil world. Whereas this one, they actually made it a completely different kingdom with a, with new people, like the Nega versions, if you will, but they weren't all evil. Um, really kind of fleshed that out and saying, oh, you know what? Hey, look, you have your own alternate self, spoiler alert, you know, who failed to protect his Triforce. And now he's here just trying to trying to make things right. Um, whereas, you know, the alternate Princess Zelda is trying to make things right in her own way and she's gone astray and... It's a very interesting kind of uh, idea where it's like, oh shit, well, what if... Even in the game, it's kind of talking about, like, that whole idea of the uh, the timeline that they've set up. Where it's like, well, what if shit went sour on one end of the universe and they fucked up and now it's all <laughs> shitty. But it's, like, all in the same game. So it's really kind of cool to see, like, oh, you know what? Here's, like, the light world where we're trying to make shit good and here's the dark world where shit already went bad and gotta fix it um so that from the story perspective is very interesting and um honestly adding in like the the usage of a because initially they had like the magic gauge before which was like oh you can't use these all-powerful magic attacks all the time which makes sense because that would kind of break the game you could just summon down lightning all the time mm-hmm. to kill everyone all the time but on top of that they added in the stamina gauge to limit some of your not quite as powerful weapons, but kind of give you the option of like, hey, look, you might want to think about using your items in such a way that you can kind of approach these puzzles and solve them without going a bit too overboard. Um, And I guess tying that with their new mechanic of merging to the wall and making a 2D game more than a 2.5D kind of game, where it's like, hey, look, you don't even have to pay attention to walls in this game. Just go fuck around. Like, do you think this is a barricade? Fuck that. You can be the wall now. Like, just go walk over there on the wall. Like, who cares? It, it just adds more to that feeling of, you know what? You really can do whatever the fuck you want in this game. Like, boundaries don't even mean a thing. Um, and now I've gone really off on a tangent, and I want to check the time. Okay. Um... Yeah, that's pretty much what I have. Uh, that's all I got to really say for that. I could really keep going, but okay. hopefully. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah, I, I especially you. appreciated the way you were relating it to your initial experiences with Zelda because one of the challenges of the NES was there's only so much, and the challenge has kind of persisted since, but especially with the older systems, is that there's only so much information they can pack into a cartridge but they still have to charge a pretty penny for this. So how does the player get their value out of it? And with the original Zelda, it was, well, we're going to make this thing be, uh, it's going to take a long time to get through everything. And it's going to encourage exploration, which is what we, which is what we want you to be here for in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. That's what I was thinking. Like, I mean, they, again, they probably would have wanted to do something more along the lines of what they did with Ocarina of Time they just didn't have the resources available or the technical capacity to create something like that. Right. Um, they always run into um, uh, limitations uh, each time. Um, one thing that I always kind of maintained is that as much as Breath of the Wild has DLC in it now, I always thought Skyward Sword was the game to do DLC because it was set up that Link would fly into these pillars of light and would come to these disconnected parts of Hyrule. So if after he beats the the game and some DLC, like a few more pillars of light would pop up and Link is like, oh, I wonder what's what's in these ones. Oh, it's a nice area. Oh, cool. So Nintendo has all... But that's, that's it's an interesting thing because that's been a persistent challenge this entire time. So um, I, I'm curious as to which of all the Zeldas, which was the one that had the most leniency in its design because the developers are always challenged they were challenged with twilight princess and breath of the wild because they had to port it over to another system um at a moment's notice they were challenged with majora's mask because they didn't have very much time to get it done in fact i theorize that majora's mask could be the best zelda game if it 
if they scrapped it like they did with Eternal Darkness and made it a GameCube launch title. So then they could have ramped up the graphics. They didn't have to worry about the the, the expansion pack. And it, I mean, imagine, think about how much more beautiful Majora's Mask would have been on the GameCube and not on the N64. Pretty good. So I have one, I have two, I'm going to give one point in favor of Ocarina and one counterpoint against um, A Link Between Worlds. And then after I've said that, you, I, you are free to do the same. So with A Link Between Worlds, uh, from a gameplay perspective, I found the design to be too lateral for my liking. Uh, I found that because th- the dungeons are don't really function without the item that's painted on the welcome mat in front of it, um, the challenge level starts off kind of hard, and then for me it got pretty easy, and then it kind of just got easier and easier, and I was curious to see how the developers would challenge me as a player with it, and um, it it it, it kind of didn't. Like I, one of the things that I value in the zelda games is how many times i die and for that reason breath of the wild is kicking the crap out of me ocarina of time kicked the crap out of me but i was a kid at that point uh, a link between worlds didn't kick the crap out of me um and then one thing for ocarina of time is that i i agree with your point about it uh being a linear game but um whereas the adventure aspect of it may have been uh, may have come across uh, better in a link between worlds the hero's journey i think came, came across uh, much better in ocarina of time because the world's like ex- uh, sort of opens up to you over the course of the game and it opens up as a playground as well like oh i can run around in kokiri forest and have fun and then get access to hyrule field but i'm kind of screwed because this place is like real dangerous and it's not until i get the sun song that i can just avoid the monsters at night so so yeah, um, because uh, the Hyrule of Ocarina of Time uh, slowly unlocks for the player uh, as the player uh, finds the items needed to navigate it, uh, what that does is it rewards the player with a larger playground, and that circles back to my philosophy about Nintendo being a toy maker, which is absolutely true. They were making toys and card games before they got into video games. So the 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 items in that allow the player to play around more, and the... The, the the more I can ex- explore the world, the more it is at my disposal. Um, and yeah, I mean that's I mean I'll just I would have just like struggled to uh, 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 end that point, but you get it. No, that's totally fair. Um, yeah, and you know what? I don't really have a I don't want to really have a counterpoint for you. Um, probably could if I had a bit more, but um, I I mean I honestly also liked Ocarina of Time, so I don't want to I don't want to diss it too much. Right. Well, I mean, you know, we're, we're, it's constructive, right? I mean, I, we all want these games to be as good as they can be. And I will say that I quite like A Link Between Worlds. Like, I have it. It was the reason why I bought the 3DS. Um, yep. And what I really appreciate about A Link Between Worlds is that uh, as far as, like, the handhelds go, it, it's a pretty good kind of like if I didn't have anything else on the on that system to play, a link between worlds would do quite a good job. And part of that is actually because of the street pass function where mm-hmm. I'm, I can constantly meet up with other opposing links and be challenged by that. So, I mean, there's, there is a lot to, uh, 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 to say that's good about a link between worlds. And yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I would, there's there other than the CDI wins, which is low hanging fruit. There's really nobody. We're wants better to, than that. Yeah. Yeah. We're better than that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I guess the only thing that I would I would say on Ocarina of Time is I <clears throat> after playing uh, the old one again recently and uh, I actually got the one on 3DS, the Ocarina of Time 3D. Um, I actually prefer the Ocarina of Time 3D more than the original. I hate this because a lot of the I just because I, I like a lot of the uh, quality of life improvements that they made, just like Fair switching enough. between items made it a little bit easier using having that secondary screen to kind of manage uh, your map and not having to go and check all the time. And yeah, it's a lot of just QOL kind of things really for me. So there's one thing that I got to say about the Ocarina of Time 3D is that I would love it if they put that onto a console so that I can play that on a TV. I absolutely hate the running animation and the jumping animation Link. But it looks like he took a dump. Isn't it hilarious? <laughs> it's, it's, I, I hate it so much. And then versus like the way he would run, uh, holding the sword and shield in his hand, and he's kind of like swinging his arm back and forth, but he's in form. 
I just the, the 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 because it's it's I'm playing with the toy and the toy looks like an absolute buffoon more so than usual because Link is kind of a buffoonish character, which is fine. But the, I mean, the, I mean, the, like Majora's Mask, it does the front flip and the back flip, and that's cool. But oh, I hate that animation so much; it almost ruined the game for me. That's fair. Um, and I think actually we're about at where I I thought we would uh, cut it off, if yeah. that's okay. Um, Fine by me. I thought yeah. I don't. I mean, I want to foster more conversation like this, but uh, I don't want to inundate too much on our. We'll obviously have you back, Joseph. This has been a fantastic interview. I agree. Yeah. And this is a milestone for me, too, because every other podcast that I've been on is a show that I've either made myself or was the editor of. So it's nice to finally like actually be a guest on somebody else's show. So I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, no, yeah. We're, we're glad to have you. Yeah, definitely really great guest to have. Yeah, absolutely. So is there anything you wanted to plug before we kind of close off here, Joseph? Tons. Go ahead. <laughs> so, um, y'all can find me on Twitter. That's at Tiny Enemy Shrimp. It spells the way you expect. Um, I do have a I do have a Patreon page that's also Tiny Enemy Shrimp. And uh, what you'll see there is a list of some of the different projects I'm on. Um, and fair warning, some of it's kind of adult. Like I do a show where I where uh, we interview sex workers. Uh, so I have a an adult edge to me as well. Um, mm-hmm. Just let, just letting y'all know. You know, be be warned. You know, I'm, I'm not. Sometimes I'm kid friendly. Sometimes sides. I'm not. Yeah. Um, my my web comic is giantenemycomic.com. Uh, I'm in the year 2018. I'm going to be releasing a collected volume of it. Of, uh, of all the uh, comics I did when I started up until the end of 2017. So any major announcement will be on my Twitter. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, which is Giant Enemy Channel. As you can, you can see, you can tell I'm going for a I'm brand here. a theme here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Giant Enemy Company is like my grandiose thing. So... Nice. Um, <coughs> it's all a reference to Giant Enemy Crab? Yep. Yep. Good man. Yep. Good man. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Um, on Giant Enemy Channel, I do a show with my friend Matt. We uh, It's called We're Not Pros, and it's a gaming talk show very similar to... Well, actually, no, it's not similar. You guys really dive into the specifics of design, which I appreciate, but that's not what we do. Um, but yeah, that's where me and my buddy Matt, we just talk about gaming, and uh, we're, we're pretty, we're, we have some pretty good conversations that I'm really happy with. And then um, Never Sleeps Network, which is the website that I've been a part of since it launched two and a half years ago. I'm very proud of that. Yeah, and we're very <laughs> thankful to be uh, to be now be a part of that to be a part of that pod family. Yeah. So yeah, um, I guess we'll just quickly do our our pluggy plug stuff. Joe, you haven't talked that much. You want sure. you want to do the do this stuff? All right. So yeah, this was a great <coughs> interview. By the way, I wanted to say <laughs> thank you. I enjoyed listening to uh, what you had to say, Joseph. Uh, but yeah. Everyone, follow us at It's the Xtreme. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're at mm-hmm. f- on Facebook. Zach, you're doing Twitch now. Uh, yep. Shout out to our most recent uh, Twitch most, listeners. Yeah, our Twitch, most recent Twitch, 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 Twitch watchers. So yeah, and, um, and texters. Yeah, I I streamed on Twitch every Thursday. Um, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Come join me if you want. Um, I'm going to try and branch out from that time because I know it's really specific. <laughs> and I'm just trying to work around my own schedule. But um, I recently did buy a PS4, and I'm going to try and maybe do some streaming off of that. I noticed you can integrate Twitch on that, so I might just do some Twitch streaming on that. Nice. Fuck around with that. Um, but yeah, what like else? Joey said, um, oh, we most didn't of our... declare a winner. Oh, we didn't. Yeah, I, mean, I don't I think care, that, but uh... but I, I can I is it cop out to say that we all win? <laughs> no, we all whatever. I, I mean, <laughs> how about, I'm, how about I'm we more uh... interested in really Joey, like continuing think? the conversation and 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 hearing like, oh, I think Breath of the Wild is the best game. I think Link's Crossbow <laughs> Training is the best game. I'm like, I'm going to time of day because if you think Link's crossbow training is the best game please pm me or like put it on anything because i need to know who you are so i can talk to you <laughs> but yeah if you want to like shoot us back with your favorites like just uh tweet at us on uh at it's the extreme 
or you yeah. can you know comment on the many instagram photos that we have we'll probably be putting up some zelda ones in honor of this episode but yeah obviously continue the conversation send us an email it's the extreme at gmail.com we'll read that shit and talk about how amazing your opinion is unless yeah. it's a bad one in which case i will chastise you that's <laughs> not a bad one <laughs> i'm just kidding there's no yeah. bad opinion um but yeah I, I think we're good again yeah thank you to never sleeps network our parent co- our uh what we, our parent, parent co- pod company cast. parent pod, pod parent pod uh go check Jackson. out a lot of other cool uh shows on there like talking wrestling with casey corbin uh check out speech bubble with aaron broverman both those guys fantastically funny mm-hmm. um best of friends those guys are a fucking riot <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's a lot of great shows on there, and I know you'll find some that you like. Um, but yeah, with that, I, again, I want to also thank Joseph. Thank you again for being a part of this. Um, probably going to touch base with you later, because I definitely want to have another chat. Okay. Maybe sometime yeah. about something else Zelda-related. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, don't want to step on your toes too much. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a good place to end it, unless I'm forgetting anything. I don't think so, right, Joey? No, I think we're good. Okay, so if that's the case, then we just we usually close out by saying, uh, "Don't forget to write it down," and then tell them something that they shouldn't forget to write down. <laughs> so based off of uh, Mega of X passwords. Yeah, that was initially how we thought of that, but it's that's kind of become its thing. So, is there anything you you don't want the viewers to to forget, or the listeners to forget? God. Um, if you're going to be on a guest on somebody else's show, try to listen to an episode all the way through to the end so you're not stumped. <laughs> <laughs> There's great right, advice. Guys. Do not forget Don't. to be prepared and do not forget to write it down. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace. Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.